Again, our journey through Luke chapter 8. If you remember, we concluded with an incredible story. Jesus calming the storm. He said, peace, be still. If you remember, I read a little bit about what Francis Chan wrote, that there could have been a spiritual component to the storm and how there is still a spiritual component to the storms that we face today. And again, I'd say I I felt like there was a bit of a storm this week, but it's something we all face from time to time. No one's uh, uh, immune from that type of thing. But God is good. Can you say that with me? God is good. Even in the storm, He is faithful. Would you say He is faithful? He is faithful. It reminds me of a song that I wrote called Washed Away. It actually comes from Psalm 93. And in Psalm 93, this is what it says. If we can put that up on the screen. In fact, let's read it together. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding wave. But mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Amen? Jesus proves that, doesn't He, in Luke chapter 8? He continues to prove it in our lives. The seas have lifted up their voice, but He has lifted up His voice, and He is mightier than the storm. Amen? Amen. All right, the next few stories in Luke uh, chapter 8, they're incredible. First, Jesus, He is approached by a demon-possessed man. You you can read it for yourself. He's living in the tombs. It says he didn't wear any clothes. He didn't live in a house. And the impure spirit in him was pretty intense. This man, it said he was chained. It said he was kept under guard. But even so, he would be able to break through those chains. And he was driven by the demon into solitary places. That's what the Scripture tells us. When Jesus asked him what his name is, you remember this part? Verse 30 says, Legion. His answer is legion. Why does he say legion? It says because many demons had gone into this man. Well, we know how the story goes, right? The demons come out of the man. The demons go where? Into the pigs. Rush down a steep bank into a lake and they drown. Those that are watching the pigs, they see all this. They're like, whoa, like what's going on? They go to the town. They tell the people in the town, the countryside. And now everybody comes out to see what has happened. And we're going to read tons of Scripture today, and, and so I need a little bit of help. So we're going to have Braden Bergeron come up. Would you welcome him, make him feel like he's welcome as he sits up here in his special spot? Let me, let me clean your seat for you. We had communion earlier. It was powerful. But um, there you go. So we're going to start, Braden, in verse 35. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasene um, asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told, and told all over town how much Jesus has done for him. All right, stop right there. Just real quick. Sometimes I think we struggle on how to share our faith with others. In fact, in a, the prayer class I'm teaching on Sunday nights, we talked about that just Sunday night. Like it's sometimes hard to know how to share our faith with others. We, maybe we think we're, we're convinced that we have to preach a sermon or maybe we have to convince people how sinful they are and how they need to turn from their 
you know, wicked ways, turn and burn, whatever. And maybe there's a place for that. But I, I just think this passage, praise the Lord, gives you another option. Jesus gives you another option. What does he say? He simply says, hey, well, he probably said first put some clothes on. But, <laughs> but then he says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. Return home, tell how much God has done for you. So just share your story. Right? You don't have to start preaching. Share your story. Can you share your story, church? Can, can we share our story? Can we tell people how much God has done for us? I, I mean, if you struggle in this area of evangelism, maybe even shift how you're praying. Shift how you, you spend your time with the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, lead me. Even would you open up doors for me to have these kinds of conversations where I can share my story, where I can tell others what the Lord has done for me? Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who was subjected to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came from behind and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. And Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she has been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. What a story, right? Your faith has healed you. Amen. And what does he say after that? I, I love this. Isn't that just beautiful of Jesus? He says, go in peace. This is important. So this isn't just about touching Jesus. This isn't just about you know, rubbing shoulders with Jesus. Because a lot of people were touching Jesus, right? Everybody's pressing in around Jesus. But what is going on here? It's about touching Jesus in faith. Everyone say, in faith. In faith. It's in faith. Believing that all I need, all if I could only touch the hem of his garment. To touch Him and I will be healed. As we face the difficulties in our lives, and again, we all have challenges, it's so important that we come to Jesus for the answer. And I'd even add this, that we come to Jesus for the answer first. Right? Before we turn to anything else, that we turn to Jesus. That we would long for that touch of the edge of His cloak. The story shows us that Jesus responds to that kind of faith. Does Jesus respond to faith? I think we have plenty of stories that show us Exactly that. And just think about that. When in your life, where in your life, how in your life do you need to come to Jesus, but to come to Him in faith? And let's be even specific. Where do you need to come in faith for healing? Anyone need to come to the Lord in faith for healing? Where do you need to seek the Lord? Where in your life? Is it finances? Is it relationships? Where in your life do you need to seek the Lord? On that note, I found, and I think many of you who have been walking with the Lord for a while would maybe agree to this, that when I come to Jesus in faith, in that moment, God begins to give me a pathway for healing. Let me explain that. Because sometimes it's instantaneously, isn't it? Like when my two herniated discs, you guys all know that story. For those of you who don't, you'll hear it. If, I mean, I say it all the time. But anyways, the Lord touched me in an instant and I was healed. The x-rays showed just perfect in all ways. 
instantaneous. But other times, you know, I've I got to be honest, I hear him telling me things like, go to the doctor. Stop eating so many fried foods. I'm not even joking. I, some of you guys know this story. He told me to stop drinking coffee. Remember that? And I did that for two years. I'm drinking coffee again. But that was a great time of my life. Um, I don't know if he ever said I could drink coffee again, but, um, but it was good. Or 2010, when I first got here, I was struggling with anxiety. And I was asking Jesus for help. You ever struggle with anxiety? Your prayer life is so real with the Lord when, in, when you're struggling with anxiety. Asking the Lord for help. And so I took some anti-anxiety medicine for about a half a year. And it really, really helped. But that any decisions that we would make, anything that we do, anyone that we would turn to, that it would all flow from this radical faith in Jesus. Again, if only I would touch his cloak. And I would be healed. So important that you always turn to Jesus. That Jesus would be the source of anything and everything that you do. Does that make sense to you? Okay, I I just think that's so important that we come to Jesus first. Go ahead. While Jesus was speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus... He did not let anyone go in except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. (laughs) She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but, uh, but she ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. He ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. One thing I want to say about this miracle is I, I don't think we do this always intentionally, but sometimes we put Jesus in a box. So if Jesus, I mean, I've come across this so many times. If Jesus acts or he heals in one way, in one story, then we say, well, that's just how Jesus always works. That's how Jesus always heals. Here's my book. Buy my book. Right? We want to make it into a formula, but Jesus cannot be put into a box. You can try, but he's bigger and he is better than that. Instead, we must, again, trust Jesus above all else. Do what he says, even if it doesn't fit the formula, even if it doesn't fit in the box. Let me explain it. With the demon-possessed man, Jesus says to him, what? Go back into town. Tell the good news of what has happened to you. But now this little girl... She's dead, but she's raised back to life. Jesus says, go back into town and tell it. No, he doesn't say that at all. What does he say? It says actually that he ordered them. The King James says he charged them. He ordered them. Do not tell anyone what has happened. One person he commands to go tell the town. The other person he orders, do not tell anyone. Life spring, trust Jesus. Trust his voice. Don't put him in a box. Don't make him into some just formula where you got to do this or you got to do that. No, you run to Jesus. You put your faith and trust in Jesus. Touch Jesus. Be touched by Jesus and do what he says. Do what he says. All right. So these are pretty amazing accounts. Can we agree that these are incredible things that Jesus is doing? The power, the authority of Jesus. It is on display. 
power, authority to calm storms, power and authority to heal the sick, power, authority to cast out demons, to even raise a girl back to life. It's kind of like what he said he would do. We've been in Luke for a year, uh, 13 months now. And we have watched Jesus do this again and again and again. It's kind of like what he said would happen when he quoted Isaiah in Luke chapter 4 in that synagogue. It's kind of like what he said to John the Baptist to his disciples. And let John know that the kingdom of God is advancing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed and I am healing and I am proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is doing. For eight chapters, here he is going forward. But then we hit chapter 9, and oh, you got to love chapter 9, especially if you've been walking through the first eight chapters like we have. Chapter 9, I, I want to show you how special this is. Let's dive in. Go ahead, Braden. When Jesus has called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Hold on, did you catch that? Read, read it again, Braden. I'm sorry for scaring you. Read it again. <laughs> When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. All right, keep reading. Read the three through six. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. You catching this, church? Are you getting the same goosebumps I got this week? He sent them out, went village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Again, when I read this this past week, it just encouraged my heart because we have, again, spent over a year diving into this gospel according to Luke. We've watched Jesus expanding the kingdom of God, and it's amazing, and it's a kingdom, praise the Lord, that includes people like you and includes people like me. It includes the poor. It includes the tax collectors, the outcasts, the fishermen. It brings restoration, healing, freedom for all people. Jesus is awesome. But then in chapter 9, he takes this idea of God's kingdom and the advancement of God's kingdom. I believe he takes it to a whole nother level because now Jesus is giving his disciples his power, his authority to drive out demons, heal the sick, proclaim and advance the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. This has been firing me up all week. Because now it's his disciples who are coming to a town near you in the name of Jesus. Coming in his name, an ambassador for Christ, a representative, a delegated authority in his name, his power, his authority. Some of them, as you walk in carrying the name of Jesus, it says some will accept you, others will reject you, but you go in the power and authority that is found in the name above all names, the name of Jesus. And that's what they do. Isn't that amazing? They could have been like, nah, not going. I mean, thanks, Jesus, but we're just going to stay here. You know, disciples get a bad rap, but come on, church. These are some brave people. These are brave in the Lord. We're always looking at their flaws, but they actually went. We're always knocking on Peter because he almost drowned, but he walked a couple steps. Come on, praise the Lord. They went out, and they went out from village to village with nothing in their hands, proclaiming the good news, healing people everywhere. You know, I love the thought, and I talk like this a lot, but it, it, it encourages me. I hope it encourages you. 
to think that you and I, as modern-day disciples, right, as followers of Jesus, people who learn from Jesus, who obey what he says, I've always been encouraged to think that you and I are a part of a 2,000-year-long chain, right? Just a chain consisting of followers of Christ who have been sent out in his name, in his power, in his authority to share the good news of the kingdom of God with those around us and to heal the sick. The reason I always think of it as a chain, because if the generation before me hadn't been faithful to share the good news, many of you know that my legacy is generation after generation after generation of Christ's followers who have shared the good news of Jesus with those around them. Praise the Lord. That started, what, 2,000 years ago. And here we are, 2,000 years later, preaching, teaching, talking, what? About living in the name of Jesus, the power and authority that is found in His name. We are what? Preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. We are the ones in the name of Jesus healing the sick. That's is that Hopefully that encourages somebody's heart in here. I mean, what an amazing thought that is, that for 2,000 years, sending out His disciples, as we're sending out Randy, as the Father has sent Jesus, so Jesus sends you out. As the Father has sent us, uh, Father has sent Jesus, Jesus sends us out. Some will accept it. Some will reject it. We are known as the ones who share the good news. And we pray for people to be healed. There's a great example of this in our daily reading plan uh, this past week. We'd love for you to join that plan, by the way. Just go to the website or fill out a connection card. We'll get you going. But listen to what happened in Luke, or actually it was in the book of Acts, chapter 5. It says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, look at this one, church. People brought the sick into the streets. They laid them on beds and mats so that at least what Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick, bringing those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Again, all of this happening by the power of the authority that's found in the name of Jesus. Peter, another verse that we read this past week, it's in uh, Acts chapter 3, and this is so good. Uh, Peter, there's a man that's asking Peter for money. You remember that story? And what does Peter say? He, he goes, actually, let's go ahead and say it together. Uh, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Hallelujah. And you walk. Life spring, as you head into this week, remember that you carry the name of Jesus. Some of you, when you guys tell me your stories, I just like rise up with anxiety and worry for you. Like I'm worrying for you because I, some of the things that you're facing are so hard. But, but you don't have to walk into those rooms in fear or worry or anxiety. You can walk into those rooms knowing that you carry the light of Christ, but also in the power and authority of of Christ. You carry the name of Jesus. You are an ambassador. You are a representative with delegated authority. You go be sent out in the name of Jesus. Don't you know that there's a couple different ways you can walk into a room? You can walk into the room full of fear and worry, or you can walk into a room 
in the name of Jesus. Go in the name of Jesus and watch what God will do. All right, listen to what happens next. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed because some of them were saying John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah has appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried, tried to see him. I think that makes sense, right? Herod would want to see Jesus. One of the reasons, because it's not just about one man going around and doing all these things, but it's truly becoming a movement where it's not just what Jesus is doing, it's what Jesus and his disciples are doing in the name of Jesus. Truly a movement. Go ahead and start on verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. All right, so uh, what's happened? They went out. They did what Jesus asked them to do. Now they've returned, and he took them to, with him. They withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. He's at it again. Crowds are there. Jesus is speaking what? About the kingdom of God. And he's healing those who need to be healed. You see a pattern, right? There's a common theme for Jesus. We preach about the kingdom and we heal the sick. Verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find food and lodging, because we are in the remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. The disciples did, did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and two fish, looking up to the heaven. He gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them, gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So verse 12, it says, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside, find food, lodging. Why? Why, why are they so afraid? Because where are they? are out in... We, I've been to Israel a couple times. They, like, through a remote place. Like, they're concerned. Like, we've got to help these people, you know, find a place to sleep. We... We gotta eat, you know, Jesus, like send these people away. And then Jesus comes back to them and he replies, I would love to know what his face looked like. Was it you know how preachers always tell you different things. Some preachers say he said it like you give him something to eat, others say you give him something to eat. Well we don't really know. But we do know that that's what he said. You give them something to eat. I was thinking about that. How often we must sound like those disciples? I know I do. Right? The disciples see a need. You ever see a need? And what do you want? The answer is for the need to go away. <laughs> Come on, you've been human before. <laughs> right? We've got to tell Jesus, hey Jesus, send them away. But Jesus, he sees the exact same need and his response is completely different. He tells his disciples, he says, you know what? Actually, you're going to meet the need. You give them Something to eat. What a training moment that was for them, right? What a, what a moment for them to learn. And, and it's interesting because they just recently have been given his power, his authority. They, they went out, they've returned. But now they see this need and, and maybe they're realizing, one, it's a great need. I mean, there's thousands of people there. 
And so maybe they're realizing the inadequacy. You ever felt inadequate to meet the need? Right? Where they're just realizing, you know, I, I can't do this. Again, I think that's often how we feel in real life. We feel insufficient to meet the needs of those around us. And yet, Jesus, he's showing them and hopefully showing us as well that even in our inadequacy, where we feel insufficient, that even in those moments, he can meet the needs of others. And, by the way, he can even meet them through us. Through us. Do you have faith in that? Do I have faith? I mean, just, that's a good thing to think about. I mean, how vital and how important that message would be for Christians in the year 2020 in a world that really often feels so hopeless, overwhelmed by problems, so many needs where the needs are not small, the needs are great. How important it is for you and I to hear a message that says, yes, the need is great, and yes, on our own we are inadequate to meet the need, but with Jesus, in the name of Jesus, insufficient becomes more than sufficient when it is surrendered to Him. Amen. Amen. That is for me as much as it's for anybody. Insufficient becomes sufficient when it is bowed before Him and His cross. Praise the Lord. How about you read uh, 13 through 17 again? They answered. answered. Yeah, amen. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. There was about 5,000 men there. All right, everybody say five loaves. Five loaves. (laughs) Two fish. We just got to get that in our head. There's not like food hiding somewhere in the background. So go ahead. But he said to the <laughs> disciples, have them sit in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to the heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Hey, can we give it up for our professional reader today? Love you, Braden. Good job. You can leave it. Good job, buddy. You did great. There were some hard words in there. Is it Jairus or Jairus or Jarius or Jarius? You did great. It's amazing what Jesus can do in us, but also through us. Sometimes we need that reminder. Uh, That's why I love life groups. Because life groups, we get to share those stories about what Jesus is not just doing in us, but also what Jesus is doing through us. Look how he uses these disciples to play a part in this miracle. He he uses the food that they had collected, five loaves, two fish. And he uses them. He kind of says, hey, I want you to get these groups of 50 people and have them sit down. And then Jesus blesses it all, and and Jesus does the miracle. But I want to close today with this. And hopefully it's a thought that kind of puts all of this back together. That when we truly minister in the name of Jesus or when we walk and do life in his name, often it's going to feel that, yeah, I mean, I got Jesus, but other than that, I feel like I got nothing. My hands are empty. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way? And that can be stressful. It's hard when you're stressful because a pastor or some other Christian always just gives you this cute little Bible verse to tell you to stop being stressed out. But life can be stressful. I'm not saying to stay there. I'm saying receive the word of God in your life and move forward. But come on, like we can all get caught up in worry, in anxiety, 
Don't you think I'm worried about Maxwell's six daughters? I'm worried. I'm anxious. But what do you do as a Christian? As a Christian, you come to the Lord. You come to Him. And even though there's this apparent lack, there's this insufficiency and inadequacy, you come to the Lord. And and I hope that these Scriptures encourage you that that if that's you, even if you look down at your hands and they're empty, or, or you realize, man, all I got is a couple of fish, that the Holy Spirit would remind all of us that if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. That if you have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, if you have Jesus, Jesus can do so much through empty hands. Through empty hands. Sometimes it's with tears streaming down your face in the middle of the night on your knees and you just bring out your empty hands and say, Jesus, I need you to be an all-sufficient Savior. Jesus. Jesus. I believe, church, and I think you believe as well, that He can change the world through people who give Him empty hands. I believe that. I believe that. Remember when He sent out those disciples, verse 3, He said, take nothing for the journey. Man, that's not how we would do it at all. But He says, no, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, extra shirt, leave it. (laughs) They came with empty hands. And yet they came in the name of Jesus Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and healing people everywhere. They had all they needed in Jesus. In the story of the 5,000, they looked at their hands. Five loaves, two fishes. And yet, did you hear what he said? They were able to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. And they had how many baskets full of leftovers? Twelve baskets full. More than enough because they had Jesus. I hope our faith is being encouraged just a little bit today. Would you stand with me? Would you rise to your feet? And would you just hold out your hands? Just hold your hands out before the Lord. I have a hunch that many of us, when we look at our hands, we feel like we don't have much. And we do. We begin to feel that inadequacy, that insufficiency, and it can cause worry, fear, depression, anxiety. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, may faith arise in this place. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, we know that you're already here, but we invite you. We invite you. That you would remind us, Holy Spirit, you say that you remind us of everything that Jesus has told us everything that Jesus has said, everything that He's done, would you remind us right now that in Jesus we have everything that we need? That He supplies all of our needs according to His glorious riches. That if we have Jesus, we have more than enough. That He truly is an all-sufficient Savior. Lord, Spirit, just speak to us even more. Just remind us. Remind us. Speak to us. Lord, give us the faith to believe. Give us the faith to trust. Give us the faith in this moment to once again believe that you are who you say you are, and that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. We give you our hands. Life spring, give him your hands. Give him your hands. Watch what the Lord will do. Let him show you what it looks like to live by the power and the authority that is in the name above all names. You've heard it said before, but I, I truly believe this. 
you would say, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus, you're all that we need. Anytime we try to add to you, anytime we try to kind of bring something to attach to you, you remind us that that stuff will rust, corrode, and fade away, that nothing remains except for you and your love. You, Lord. It's you. You are what we need. You're all that we need. Just give him, again, just give him what you have. In this moment, give him what you, even if it's empty hands, give him what you have. Lord, I believe this. I had faith for this this week even, that as people were in this posture, that, Lord, you were going to show us that you wanted to do a miracle through empty hands. That was so clear this week, that you wanted to show your sons and your daughters that you wanted to do a miracle, that you can and you will do a miracle through empty hands. And I want to pray for you, Life Spring. I want to pray for you. Some of you might maybe even need to come forward. Maybe stand before the Lord. But just give Him your empty hand. And I want to pray. As they go ahead and start singing. And Anyone that wants to be prayed for, just come forward and we'll pray. I think we have some other people that will pray too. Take me back to the garden. Take me back to the garden.